I've been following your little journey through Psalm 23. I've listened to James, I've listened to John and Greg, and one time Rob Brennan. In fact, uh, somebody's going to have to help me. I didn't understand the superfood, um, mainly because the tape started with no background. So it was so it was kind of confusing, but I've enjoyed very much enjoyed going through and uh, my assignment uh, as you're turning to Psalm 23 uh, is the start of verse six. Uh, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But I'd I'd like to do what each of the speakers that I heard did, and that is get to the psalm and then read it, and then. Uh, this is going to be kind of an unconventional uh, time together because I've titled this Random Thoughts. Now, from a Jewish person, random thoughts, you got to be careful. Uh, and I've already been warned to stick to the text. So I will stick to the text in my random thinking. But Psalm 23 The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Random thoughts as we begin, before I get to my line. David, and I know this is a review for those of you who've come for all the uh, messages on Psalm 23. So it's kind of a pep talk to me as we begin. David is the shepherd king of Israel. He's the writer of this psalm. And yet Jehovah is the shepherd king of David. He's the one that oversees the king of Israel. And he, of course, is the king of kings. Psalm 23 is called the pearl of the psalms. I know that you've heard that uh, Psalm 22 is the good shepherd. Psalm 23 is the great shepherd. Psalm 24 is the chief shepherd. And in John chapter 10, we read about the good shepherd. In Hebrews 13, we read about the great shepherd. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, we read about the chief shepherd. I know that you've heard about the characteristics of sheep. And I was particularly interested when I was listening to that particular message on sheep and what they are and uh, how they behave. And uh, as I turn here to my notes, I loved when James uh, talked about casting. Where are you, James? You were talking about casting. Uh, and, so, and, the, and the videos of uh, the, the sheep that we got to see. These are helpless and defenseless. John uh, started us off. Uh, we, you talked about how sheep are easily, uh, uh, str- they easily stray. They have poor eyesight. They fright easily. Uh, we heard about the shepherd. 
uh, and Philip Keller, uh, that book, that was one of the early books I purchased in my Christian life. And we know about him, the shepherd, as the protector. Uh, We went over how he uses the rod and the staff. And I was interested during that time where the shepherd would have to, uh, from time to time, take one of those sheep, those wandering sheep, one of the ones that gave him a lot of trouble and break its leg. And I never really thought a lot about that uh, until it was described vividly behind the pulpit of how the sheep would be around the neck with that broken leg and urinate and defecate on the shepherd. But I, I, it helped me to think about the shepherd and what he was willing to do and how that sheep, after its leg was healed, would stick close to the shepherd. I heard about John chapter 10, and I'd like you to go to John chapter 10 as we uh, think about random thoughts here. In John chapter 10, we think about the good shepherd. The context of John chapter 10 is interesting, at least for me, because yes, it's Christmas. I love to sing Christmas songs. No issues with that. But it's also Hanukkah. And Hanukkah is a time that Jewish people remember an intertestamental activity. But it's also the time that the Lord Jesus, the incarnate Lord Jesus, took to talk about sheep. So I'd like to read that because it is Hanukkah time and it is about sheep. Now, as the Feast of Dedication, that's, that's Hanukkah, in Jerusalem, and it was winter. We know that Hanukkah takes place at that time. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Messiah, if you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you. And you do not believe the works that I do in my Father's name. They bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Listen to what Jesus says about his sheep. My sheep hear my voice. You've heard about that, the voice of the shepherd. I actually went online to look at some videos, and I watched uh, sheep dogs working, and uh, the shepherd calling to the sheep who were way down, calling them, and and they all came. A few of them didn't, and so he sent the dogs to come, and, and they drove the sheep. And here Jesus says to them, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And Jesus said, I give them, these sheep I give eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any one snatch them out of my hand. You know, that's interesting that he uses Hanukkah, as a backdrop, <clears throat> as a backdrop to talk about that. Hanukkah is the time that the Jewish people celebrate, if you will, the courage of the Maccabee family who were not willing to compromise who they are. They were willing to identify not only as Jews, but as believing Jews in the living God. And Jesus took that as a day to remember and to communicate that he too, he too was going to hold them, his sheep, forever. No one, we're told, will snatch them out 
of his father's hand, of his hand. My father's given them to me is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. So in these random thoughts, we have Hanukkah and the shepherd who knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. We have in John chapter 10, the marks of a Christ sheep. They know the shepherd, they know the shepherd's voice, they hear the shepherd's call, they love the shepherd, they trust the shepherd, and they follow the shepherd. In this psalm, as we read through it, there are the names of Jehovah that coincide with this psalm. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, and in the text, we had, I shall not want. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. And we have in the psalm, still waters. You take me beside still waters. Leads, lead me by still waters. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. You restore my soul. Jehovah Tzitkenu, the Lord our righteousness. You lead me through paths of righteousness. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. And the text tells us, you are there. That shepherd is there with me. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And uh, in the psalm, in the presence of my enemies. And Jehovah Mikadosh, the Lord sanctifies. You anoint my head. So we have these names fulfilled in Psalm 23. My line is surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. In Hebrew, it would be tov, which is good, and chesed. Good thing you're far away from me. Chesed. So you got to be careful. Chesed means loving kindness. Goodness is that which is pleasing or valuable or useful. Mercy is loyal love, steadfast love, unfailing love, covenant love. So David's writing, since God is good and loving and faithful, he will be with me. And David writes that in this psalm. The king shepherd, or the shepherd king, the king of Israel, is writing about the fact that the king shepherd, His king and his shepherd is personally with him. That's why in Jewish funerals and in Christian funerals, often this psalm is read. But surely goodness and mercy, tov and chesed, is with me. I thought about that, goodness and mercy, and I wanted to think through some folks in the Bible who might not have thought that there was goodness and mercy in their lives, but then they did. And I'm hoping that through some of these examples, you will think like David and think, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. First one's Joseph. Joseph. In uh, in Judaism, there is a, 
uh, an idea that there isn't one Messiah, there's two Messiahs. And the reason is, and we as Christians have solved that problem, we don't believe in two Messiahs. We believe in one Messiah who has to deal with two specific things, suffering and then victory. But from a Jewish point of view, at least for some Jewish people, they read the text in the Old Testament and they come up with two messiahs, Messiah ben Joseph, Messiah son of Joseph. So we think of Joseph. What do we know about Joseph? Well, we know that he was a dreamer. Joseph was a dreamer. And he had uh, a dream about a garment. Uh, Because he had a garment, he had this dream about uh, his brothers ultimately bowing down to him. And he had this coat of many colors. His brothers didn't like him. And so they took Joseph and they threw him in a pit. And then he got sold off to slavery. I'd submit to you, Joseph had goodness and mercy when he was in the pit and when he was sold for slave as a slave. Now he's a slave. He rises to a great position. He's the chief slave. He's running a household. But now he's got an issue with the woman of the house, and he doesn't want to compromise, and he doesn't want to uh, do his boss dirty, so to speak. And so he flees the situation, and as a result of lies and conspiracy, he's now in prison. But goodness and mercy haven't rejected him, haven't fled away. Still, there's goodness and mercy. He's in prison. He's able to decipher dreams. He's able to do that. We read about that. And He asked one favor. Hey, when you get out, remember me. I I was the one that deciphered the dream. The Bible says he was stuck two more years in prison. Two more years in prison. But I'd submit to you that all during that time, the goodness of God and the mercy of God was with him. Because in the text in Genesis, it says, the Lord was with him. Now, I can't tell you that Joseph felt the Lord was with him all the time. But I can tell you the Lord was with him all the time. Goodness and mercy was with him. Well, let me take you to Ruth and Naomi. Ruth and Naomi. Oh, it's a complicated story. It's a great story, the the book of Ruth. Naomi's married, things are rough in Bethlehem, house of bread. So they head to Moab, out of the country. Naomi's husband dies, her sons, Jewish, married Gentiles, women. uh, They're there for about 10 years, and then the husbands die. It's a sad time for Naomi. She's going to head back home, and she tells her daughters-in-law, go back. Go back to your old life. There's no way I can produce a son. You'd have to wait all that time. It isn't going to happen. Go. And of course, we know that Ruth says to Naomi, even though Naomi says her life is bitter, it was bitter. Hey, where you go, I'm going. Your God is my God. And so these two women who've undergone some difficult times 
are headed back to Israel. And you read the story of Ruth, and I'm here to tell you, goodness and mercy were with them. Ruth ends up being in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Goodness and mercy followed them. Let me give you another one. Three gals, Sarah, Hannah, and Elizabeth in the New Testament. In the Old Testament particularly, it's just as hard today, I think, for women who want to have children and can't. I've met several of these women in my travels. It's tough. It's hard. It's difficult. In the context of living in the Old Testament days, it was even worse. Sarah couldn't have a child. Hannah prayed. Elizabeth had the same issue. But all during that time, I'd submit to you that goodness and mercy followed them. Goodness and mercy followed them. The providence of God and how he works. The providence of God. Providence, to me, is more of a miracle than the actual physical miracle. When when God brings things to pass at just the right time, providence of God is not always comfortable, but it does make us conformable. Think about that. Another example of goodness and mercy. David's looking at his life as the king shepherd. He's had some issues in his life as king of Israel. He's had some family issues. But I think as he thinks about it, he says, you know, goodness and mercy is following me. And I think about that when it comes to the nation of Israel. Right now, the nation of Israel. Uh, Our organization, Friends of Israel, which, by the way, I have a table in the back. It's all free stuff tells you some of the things that we're doing and how you can participate online, free stuff. You just read the stuff that's out there, take a brochure. But Israel, Friends of Israel, started in 1938 before there was an Israel. There was no Israel in 1938. There are Jewish people scattered. Uh, We've been scattered since 70 A.D. Uh, There are Jewish people living in that land, but had been occupied by a number of different groups through the years, including the Ottoman Turks and British. Uh, But we named ourselves the Friends of Israel. And we know, as believers, that through the blindness of the Jewish people, through their blindness, I can attest to what being blind is as a Jewish person, and by the grace of God, by the goodness and mercy of God, My eyes were open. But through their blindness, salvation comes to the Gentiles. It's an amazing kind of story. I'd like you to turn, hold your your finger in Psalm 23, but go to Ezekiel chapter 11. You see, the goodness and mercy of God is not just attributable to individuals. It's attributable to attributable to nations. I think of Jonah and Nineveh while you're turning to Ezekiel. You know, Jonah was a prophet of God who was called for a ministry. And you know what Jonah did? 
He said, no, thank you. And he went the other way. Jonah, and do you know why he went the other way? To me, it's hilarious. Jonah went the other way because he knew God would be merciful to a people he hated. He hated them. I understand. The Ninevites were terrible people as a nation. If you read about how the Ninevites, what they did when they captured people as they were conquering them, it's terrible. It's awful. The suffering, the, how awful it was. So, so Jonah wanted to go the other way because he knew God would do what he was going to do. So God got a fish, swallowed him. He had three days. Uh, talk about in the intestines and in the stomach. Ay, 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 and he, I can't even imagine what he looked like when he was finally spit out and had to go back. Not good. I think I would have believed whatever he said. Uh, there's some uh, doctors who tell us that when you're uh, that survivors of those in a whale, which has actually happened, that their skin was completely blanched. It was pretty bad. So I'm just pointing out Jonah, but look what it says in Ezekiel chapter 11, starting in verse 16. And surely goodness and mercy, that's, that's what David writes about. Therefore, says, therefore say, thus says the Lord, verse 16 of Ezekiel 11. Thus says the Lord God, although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, a scattering of the Jewish people. What Did they deserve it? Of course they deserved it. We're stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. We do our own thing. You tell us, go, we stop. You tell us to stop, we go. We're stubborn. As a nation, we are an example of what you are as an individual. So you could call us whatever you want, and I'll agree, but you're the same as an individual. And so it says, thus says the Lord God, although I've cast them off from among the Gentiles and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. This is a prophecy. This is prophetic. Israel, which didn't exist as a modern state. Jewish people rejecting as a nation the Lord Jesus Christ, their leadership. God in his grace certainly calling out a remnant. But the text says there'll be a day when there'll be a reconstituted Israel. I think we are seeing that happen. A nation, according to Ezekiel chapter 37, a nation that stands without the breath of God in them. I submit to you that God's covenant word, his chesed, his loving kindness, his goodness, is part of who he is to keep his promise. He's a promise-keeping God. Israel will be saved, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 11 and verse 26. So cast away, scattered, 
but God will be with them, gather them, and will ultimately give them the land. Surely goodness and mercy, chesed, will follow me, David says, all the days of my life. And I think you can see that as a nation. We have a representative in Ukraine. Ukraine. I I just saw a satellite image uh, because of this note that I'm going to read to you. Uh, The satellite image is of Ukraine, which is a modern country uh, in every way. But there have been a war since February with Russia. If you haven't been following it, it's it's pretty awful. Friends of Israel has a rep there. And I'd, I'd like you to hear our representative, a, a gal. Her husband is suffering from cancer. He got out uh, right before the war started, and he's with his daughter getting treatment for his cancer in Australia. But Tatiana has stayed home. And she writes... Last missiles attack of Ukraine was on the greatest scale on November 23rd. Continued attacks on infrastructure. They designed to keep us cold and in the dark. It is true, I still have no heating in my flat. Electricity and low internet connection only in the night. But this is nothing compared to the fact that civilians died during such attacks. Even with faith in God, it's hard to be brave. When bombs are flying, and I hear the roar of explosions. In Ukraine, it is now customary to say that there is not a single unbelieving person at the front. All the soldiers pray, because the only hope is in him. And then she posts the satellite photo uh, taken several days ago. I kept it as a memory. Ukraine is in the dark after the bombing. I'm in touch with all my Jewish friends, not only in Kyiv. People are afraid, but they don't have a place to go. And I want to tell my whole FOI family that we are all working together and bringing the light of Almighty God to the people. Here are visas of five Jewish people who received them on November 28 in Warsaw. They moved to Israel and thank a lot for their help. And I pass on this gratitude to all of you because we are doing this together. Alone, I am nothing. When I have the internet, I receive messages from Israel with gratitude for those people who during the whole year moved from Ukraine there. They are happy. Their children are happy. And I am happy to give you thanks from them. So this is a gal who has served with Friends of Israel, constituents, from around the world, mostly in the United States, give to Friends of Israel thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, which we then send to them. We've been able to buy two um, vans that have gotten Jewish people out, and they made Aliyah. We have brought in food uh, and uh, personal items that are off the shelves in Ukraine while the men fight at the front, uh, Friends of Israel, through generosity of Christians, have brought this stuff to them. Why am I telling you? It's not, a, it's not an advertisement for Friends of Israel. The assignment I was given was surely goodness and mercy will follow me 
I submit to you that whether they're believers or unbelievers, in the midst of a war, surely goodness and mercy has been given to them. <clears throat> I have a 98-year-old mom. 98! I was just yelling at her the other day. You can talk to Alice about the yelling and the screaming. Not in a mean way. Not at all. Just yelling because that's just what we do. Um, that's what we do. And my mother, who's not a believer, for the first time that I can ever remember, acknowledged that in her life of 98 years, God's goodness and mercy has been with her. That's kind of interesting timing in the providence of God. I just had this conversation with her on Monday, and I'm supposed to speak on this today. My mother has rejected every single time I've talked to her about Christ. My sister, who's a believer, has talked to her. We go through her history and how God has been gracious, and she acknowledges it and acknowledges that God has been merciful and gracious, and yet she doesn't believe. I, of course, I'd want her to believe. It would be a great blessing. But that's not even the point of what David is saying. The point is, God is good all the time. It doesn't matter what circumstances you're in. He is good. He is gracious. Whether you're healed or not healed, whether you got that good grade or didn't get that good grade, it doesn't matter. The fact that you are here means God is good. And he's merciful. Whether you're the nation of Israel who've gone their own way, but God gives a certain promise and he's going to accomplish it. And you can trace God's goodness and mercy with Israel. Whether you're Sarah or Hannah or Elizabeth and you'd love to have a child, but you didn't have a child. And then years later, you did have a child. He was good before and he's good after. Whether you're Joseph and you're in, you're totally innocent. You didn't do anything. You ever say that as a child? Or now you're a parent and you're... I didn't do that. Disregard the broken stuff. That wasn't me. I didn't do that. God's good. His goodness is there all the time. And His mercy is there all the time. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. The last book, Revelation, the apocalypse, the unveiling. Chapter 7 and verse 17, it says, For the Lamb, for the Lamb, who is in the midst of the throne, will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. The Lord is my shepherd. 
Jehovah is the shepherd. Jehovah God shepherds a man, deity. And when we think about how God accomplishes his purpose and read in Revelation that there's a lamb in the midst of the throne leading them to the living, living fountains of water. Random thoughts. Hopefully I've stuck to the text. What, what are you going through on this Sunday morning? What stuff are you schlepping in here? Schlepping means dragging in. Everybody's got shtick. I don't know what your shtick is. You can fill in your own blank. Uh, you have family issues. There's probably a lot of us in this room who can say they have family issues. And not just adults. Kids who are downstairs, if you ask them, oh yeah, I got issues. With my parents, I've got issues. Okay. Finances, is that your shtick? Certainly understand. I could tell you there were a number of years when uh, the month used up my income, only it was the middle of the month and I had two weeks left. Financial issues, understood. Physical issues, you're going through pain, real pain. Issues. I can tell you that as you read this psalm, in the condition you're in right now, look for the goodness of God and his loving kindness. And if you look, you'll find it. It's an amazing thing. That's one of the reasons why I think we read, Jewish people as well as Christians, read this psalm. It's, it's an amazing psalm. God's our shepherd. We don't, we don't need to want, in fact, you know, one of the, this is a true story, uh, a gal, Sunday school gal was supposed to read her, and I'll close with this. I know I'm five minutes late. I'm sorry. Uh, but I'll close with this. She was supposed to uh, memorize Psalm 23, and the first line she said, quote, the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. (laughs) Great, I love that. Think about that. The Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. And if you embrace the Lord as your shepherd, you're going to embrace part of that where his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Let's pray. Father, I'm glad for the folks here at Brantford going through this psalm, slowly, methodically, identifying with the sheep. David shepherded, and yet David was a sheep. Lord, we're all sheep. We know all the negative things about sheep, and we are just like them. But it's great to know that you're our shepherd, that even if we get wounded, it's probably you allowing it to happen so that we'll stick forevermore next to your side. Thank you for these encouraging words, and Lord, for those folks who are having 
shtick in their life right now. Lord, may they see and really come to understand your tov, your goodness, and your chesed, your loving kindness, because you're there all the time. Lord, I pray that they would experience it as they yield to the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, who we remembered this morning. God's loving kindness through him, God's mercy through him as he took on all our sin, suffered and died, defeated sin, rose from the grave, and now is calling his church to be with himself. What a blessing. What loving kindness and what goodness. We're thankful. In Christ's name, amen.